Hello. 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 Welcome to another episode of the Data Engineering Show with myself, Boaz, and Eldad. Hi, everyone. How have you been, Eldad? I'm good. Are you ready for uh, Hanukkah is around the corner? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to come over for Can't uh, wait. Uh, light, light some candles? Yeah, do it. Okay. So with us today, uh, getting ready for Christmas time, I guess, is Eric Heintera. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Eric. Eric is joining us from Bolt. He is a senior analytics engineer uh, slash lead data analyst at Bolt. Uh, he has been there for over four years. Uh, before we let Eric introduce himself a little bit further, uh, a few fun facts about uh, Estonia in general, where, where uh, Eric is from. So Estonia, small country, only around 1.3 million, but... Uh, is actually ranked number one in the world in unicorns per capita. Wow. That's very interesting. <laughs> um, also, regarding Bolt, if you haven't heard about Bolt, means that you probably haven't been spending enough time in Europe or outside the US. Uh, Bolt is actually a big competitor to Uber. Next time you hop uh, off a plane in a European country, try not defaulting to Uber and see if you can get a ride, a scooter, a bike, even food delivery from Bolt. Uh, Bolt is active in over 300 cities across more than 40 countries by now, mostly in Europe, but also Asia, Africa, Latin America, and, and that's exciting stuff. Bolt was founded in 2014 in, in San Francisco, uh, but in recent years especially, I think, saw tremendous growth. Eric, am I, Plus, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Amazing. Uh, you, you were wrong about the San Francisco part. It was actually founded in Tallinn in Estonia. Got it. Uh, yeah. Other good, than uh, that, yeah. What, amazing what, intro. In the PR, it's, it's sometimes, you know, they tend to, once they open the San Francisco office, it takes over everything <laughs> <laughs> in the PR. But thanks for, for the correction. It makes a lot of sense. So far, the company still privately held has raised over $600 million to date, serving more than 75 million uh, end users. So, Eric, thanks. What did I miss? Anything about Bolt that I, that I uh, left out? Uh, no, uh, actually, maybe a couple of things about Bolt uh, to add more is that um, we're actually not focused purely on Europe. And uh, I think we're the leading um, uh, ride-hailing uh, uh, and delivery app, uh, not only in Europe, but also in Africa. So uh, we should be the biggest player in Africa as well. So Europe and Africa together, like 2 billion uh, people. So quite big market, actually. So tell us, what do you do at Bolt? Let's hear it from you. Uh, yeah, uh, just uh, uh, one more thing. Uh, coming back to the intro part, then uh, when you mentioned Estonia and the facts you gave, then actually I prepared uh, one of the fun facts about Estonia, and it included uh, also that uh, we have most <laughs> unicorns per capita. <laughs> but we, when I usually do this intro uh, to foreigners, then I also say we have most supermodels per capita also in uh, <laughs> interesting uh, we should investigate a correlation uh, between startups and 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 supermodels interesting <laughs> yeah um but yeah great intro um so yeah i've been at bolt uh for more more than four years initially started off as um first data team member ever uh so before me there was no one working purely on data i started off as a data analyst basically trying to uh, get started with our data warehouse together with engineers, uh, try to automate uh, and move away some queries from uh, production or uh, pre-live environments to data warehouse. Also 
wanted to give, read, get rid of Google Sheets, all of those things, and uh, try to optimize everything we did in a business. Within those four years, I uh, gradually moved, uh, since we hired more analysts, moved to um, like analytics managers slash lead analyst role. But then uh, after some time, still wanted to be more hands-on. So now I'm uh, mostly focusing on our analytics platform uh, and still uh, helping everyone in the analytics also uh, around all of those topics. So yeah, um, this, is, this is what I do. Awesome. And have uh, to do. I, you know, let's talk about your title for a second, because it's interesting. You're call yourself a senior analytics engineer. We all know data engineers, analytics engineering is something you hear less about. What do you think what that means? Yeah, so I think it's around tooling uh, and uh, the things that we actually do in the analyst wor uh, world. So this analytics engineer in general doesn't mean there is a big difference between like analyst work or data engineer work. Uh, it's just I'm more focused in on helping to build them um, uh, infrastructure for our analysts, uh, meaning uh, like I, I think the biggest the user of uh, analytics engineering is the company TVT, uh, TVT Labs, and, and they are promoting it heavily. Uh, for us, it's uh, we're not using TVT, but still the work that we need to do is basically build out a platform for analysts, for business users, for product users, to do their work efficiently, smoothly, with high quality, high speed. Uh, so I'm somewhere in between data engineers and data analysts. So this is how we combine those two together. How big is Bolt in terms of headcount worldwide? Uh, so worldwide, I think we're more than 3,000 uh, employees. And uh, data, data team just reached over 100 members. Wow, wow. So so tell us a little bit about that. So what kind of data roles exist in Bolt and how are they spread out in terms of departments, groups, teams, etc.? And, and and where do you fit in? Yeah, so um, we have uh, three different roles. Um, I think it's uh, pretty common. We have data scientists, data engineers, and data analysts. Um, and... Um, Data scientists and uh, data engineers belong to engineering organization and are like a centralized group. So they report to some higher management in engineering. And data analysts are, um, they, they belong to a product organization mostly, uh, and they report to uh, product managers. So they're way closer to the business and to have the effect and the knowledge about everything what's going on in the business. So this is why we went with this hybrid approach. Initially, uh, with, with, I think, three data analysts in the company, we, we thought of uh, going with centralized uh, also for analysts, but it didn't make any sense. And we're quite happy with the setup at the moment. So you report uh, to product as well and not to... No, actually, I'm, um, I'm part of data engineering. Okay. So we have uh, four teams, uh, four sub teams in data engineering, which is, um, firstly, it's uh, Data Lake, then it's data transformation. Thirdly, modal lifecycle and experimentation platform. And uh, fourth is uh, my team, which is um, analytics engineering. Got it. So, so let's talk about the data stack and, and dive a little bit deeper there. Before that, in terms of data volumes, how, what kind of data volumes does Bolt deal with? 
So if you want to be fancy, and uh, fancy starts, I think, from petabytes, then we can say that our uh, Redshift uh, cluster uh, can handle um, more than four petabytes of data. But actually, we're not there yet. Uh, I think uh, uh, our data lake um, in total is um, somewhere between half a petabyte and one petabyte, somewhere somewhere around that. In terms of sort of daily uh, number of events or daily data volume? Any, any yeah, so um, talking about from analyst perspective, then uh, we do, I think, um, a bit less than half a million queries uh, a day in our BI tools. Um, then uh, talking about... Uh, as we serve um, all of the models also as a platform, then uh, I think we do 100 million uh, model lifecycle calls daily. So uh, wow. quite a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I think there are, from those 3,000 uh, employees, uh, more than half of them use our PI uh, uh, tool also on a weekly basis. Okay, so, so let's break that down. So tell us about the data stack a little bit, maybe you know, from bottom to top. How does it look like? Yeah, so um, um, just uh, we stream our data from live databases and uh, services with Kafka uh, to S3. Uh, then... Um, uh, we have, of course, as I mentioned, uh, Redshift as a data warehouse. Um, in the S3 and Redshift, uh, we do some transformations in uh, Apache Spark or uh, with Apache Airflow. Then uh, together with Redshift, of course, we use uh, Spectrum, which is basically a layer to get data from S3 uh, directly without storing it uh, in Redshift. And um, yeah, then we use Looker as our BI tool. We use uh, SageMaker, uh, or all of the uh, data team members use Jupyter Notebook. So, so this is uh, just a brief overview and a really, really high level of uh, what are the tools we use. I think uh, there is nothing uh, really, really epically different than other companies are doing. So I think it's pretty common stack. How, how long has, been this has this stack been active? I mean, if you so, rewind uh, four years ago, how did it look back then <laughs> and how was the journey? So four years ago... Uh, Google Sheets. Uh, there, there wasn't uh, almost <laughs> anything. We actually, just when I joined, uh, the guys just... Uh, so a cool thing, since we were on AWS uh, already back then, then uh, they saw like, hey, what's this Redshift thingy? Let's, uh, let's spin it up and uh, see, uh, maybe, we, maybe we can use it. So, of course, we still uh, use S3. So S3 was there. We didn't use Kafka, uh, so it was uh, a bit different then. And then I think in Redshift, when I joined, we initially had like, top 10 tables, maybe uh, from live databases, just like getting orders uh, and um, to understand like where are drivers or uh, how active they are just to get the first initial. I, I re really remember when I, when I joined, like I needed to get some data and the engineers were talking to me. It's like, we do it from the live database. We query it from the live database. It's like, <laughs> we don't have data, uh, time to like, data warehouse what why why should i bother and i now it's like 
thousands of tables. Uh, I, I don't know even how many together with uh, Spectrum uh, we have in uh, Redshift. So, and it's uh, like constantly improving. So uh, yeah, a lot going on there. And eventually, because there is in Looker, is that the only BI tool, or do you have other methods of visualizing data in parallel? Uh, so um, for uh, front-end uh, analysis, uh, we also use Mixpanel, but mm-hmm. uh, everything uh, that we, as a data team, uh, uh, want to like have a better control and better structure and the use of uh, back-end data also, then uh, Looker is our, uh, by far the biggest uh, BI tool that we use, yeah. I think I saw in your profile somewhere you mentioned the use of uh, Amundsen as a yes. data catalog. Is that in use? Can you maybe tell us how you guys are using it? So, yeah, um, I'd say it's in uh, alpha stage for us. Uh, but basically, uh, the company is growing so fast. Uh, there are more people coming in. There are more tables popping up all the time. And uh, we wanted to uh, get a better way to uh, scalably uh, share the information that we have around our data and uh, data discovery has been uh, one of the bottlenecks uh, of scaling. So uh, we started off uh, trying out two, actually two uh, different tools. So firstly, Knowledge Repo, which is basically where you can host. Uh, it's a repo filled with uh, Jupyter Notebooks where you can add some metadata on top of it. And uh, also Amundsen. Um, we currently use it in a quite limited scope. So we have all of the Redshift tables there. Uh, we have uh, key tables, uh, key columns, uh, key schemas all uh, like commented and we have uh, attributed some uh, owners to them. So at least like if you search for something, you want to know what's going on with food delivery couriers and you're the first time doing it from the marketing perspective then at least you, you, you will be easily able with one search to understand where are the tables, how they're structured, uh, what are the like, key tables, uh, and who's the owner of those tables uh, from a data team perspective. Can you maybe share you know, how does Bolt approach the data engineer versus analyst relationship? How do you guys make sure that you know, things are delivered quickly and uh, the analysts and the business departments can sort of become stay self-sufficient and move fast? Uh, has that typically been a friction point or any insights you can share on how you guys do that? Yeah, so uh, um, I think uh, it's also pretty common, but uh, of course we we struggle uh, all the time uh, either to build the platform to be better and scalable for the future or support the current needs for uh, analysts uh, or data scientists so uh, they could uh, move on with their projects. So it's... Uh, constant battle between prioritization. Um, What we have done uh, is that uh, periodically we have changed uh, our focus. So uh, from uh, from some time, uh, we focus more on the product request, making sure that everyone gets their stuff uh, quickly um, and efficiently. And then we also like, we communicate it to our users also is like, for the next two weeks, we're heavily focused on uh, building our uh, data platform. So all the requests that you have, we will only maybe solve the most critical ones. So please mark them uh, accordingly. 
it's never easy. Uh, like product always uh, like tries to push their own uh, needs uh, first uh, because like why would you bother like uh, optimizing something uh, in data engineering for for them? It doesn't give any uh, return on investment, uh, but their feature which they want to launch, of course, uh, it's super easy to put a number to it. So it's a constant battle. Of course, we communicate a lot uh, together with the team. Uh, so this helps to understand the priorities and uh, this is the only way to go. Whatever, let's talk about some of the use cases. So, you know, there's there's the big redshift at the center, uh, according to what you say. So what are the sort of the, the use cases that are run on top of it? Yeah, so... I think uh, Redshift's bigger biggest abuser is Looker. Uh, so, uh, as I said, like uh, we do uh, we do quite a lot of queries uh, from our business users, from our analysts. Uh, so, they are the main uh, users. Of course, we have our experimentation platform using it. Then we have our like um, ML uh, like. ML lifecycle, model lifecycle, which is um, basically they are also using to uh, retrain their models, uh, like profiling services, fetches some data from it. So basically everyone uh, fights for uh, the spot in uh, Redshift uh, query queue. Uh, so yeah. Can that get ugly sometimes? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fighting over I think, resources. I, I, think uh, I will uh, leave it to the later uh, question, uh, maybe potentially about uh, Gloria's failure. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's do it. Okay, so let's uh, let's uh, you know do a, a quick stop and move to something fun and quick. The Blitz question round. Are you ready? Don't overthink. Ready. Don't overthink. Let's see. Um, so. Write your own SQL or use a drag and drop visualization tool? Write your own SQL. Looker or Tableau? Looker. Commercial or open source? Uh, hard says open source, head says commercial. <laughs> Batch or streaming? Streaming. Work from home or from the office? Hybrid. AWS, GCP, or Azure? AWS. To let people self-serve for analytics or not bother? <laughs> let self-serve. Bolt or Uber? Bolt. Boom. <laughs> well done, well done. So I didn't even uh, leave you time to finish your uh, question. I, I already said Bolt. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> So, you know, what, what are the biggest challenges, though, with, with the current stack? So what are your top priorities for next year, given what you guys have today? Yeah, so um, since the current stack has been around um, for more than four years, then actually we're currently in the phase of uh, finalizing the POCs for the next generation data warehouse. So we're um, potentially um, like uh, either getting rid of Redshift, replacing with some other, or um, adding some something on top of the current stack, or uh, like, you know, just playing around with all the different uh, things that are available right now um, to make sure that uh, we're enabling our users for the next 100x growth also. So uh, 
this has been a big focus for us in the last couple of months and uh, we try to finalize it uh, in, uh, during this year and next year will be uh, where we basically work hard on making sure that we have the next generation data warehouse ready. Um, so you're going through uh, a traditional uh, evaluation process? Um, no, um, we we are using some of the methods uh, that um, have been out there and uh, a lot of uh, companies have been doing their BOC. So, of course, we take uh, ideas from there. But what we do is we also apply a lot of uh, our internal knowledge and um, like uh, a lot of... Um, like let's say like we we gathered a lot of internal queries uh which are heavily used uh at the moment and we wanted to see how they would perform because there are some tools that are really really good when you just need to query data from one table and there are some other tools that are really good at joining together 20 uh tables so mm -hmm. what is the best for us so we we try to cover all of those things um and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a heavy heavy job to do those POCs, and uh, kudos to uh, to all of the team members who are uh, doing this. It's like it's it's not an easy decision uh, to to either switch out or uh, like uh, keep the current state. So uh, you're only responsible of uh, um, the most. Uh, <laughs> Uh, used and uh, valuable asset potentially for the company. Any particular technology or sort of feature that's out there that you really are upset you, you don't have access to today or, or you would like to have in your next gen platform? So I think uh, one of the things that uh, pushed us to move maybe a bit uh, faster with this um, valuation process was that uh, we are currently hitting um, some of the um, limits uh, uh, when we when we talk about uh, concurrent queries and uh, so basically peak hours so this is uh, this is where we struggle the most at the moment and uh, this is what we want to uh, solve as quick as possible um, because like if business users cannot see the data or need to wait for I don't know five minutes for it then it's it's not worth it and uh, we, we so you have products blessing so you have products blessing yeah yeah definitely definitely so I'm assuming decoupling storage and compute will be a, a big deal yeah. yes yes most likely yeah yeah you had mentioned the glorious failure uh, prior uh, I really don't want to pry but you know since you brought it up. Tell us about some glorious failure uh, you remember. Maybe maybe I hyped it up uh, too much. Uh, <laughs> too, late. But, <laughs> too late, you have to know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, one of the things uh, we had, so basically it's a combination of, of multiple things. So Looker uh, quite recently introduced um, integration with uh, native integration with Google Sheets and Google Drive. Uh, which means it, it's easy to set up a schedule from Looker uh, to those places. We did it, uh, we enabled it, and uh, we thought it's like good thing to have. Of course, business users, you will never ever solve all of the cases. Like people always will try to copy your data to some Google Sheet and add some uh, manual uh, stuff on top of it. So we thought. Sort the data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So we thought doing this is a great idea. Um, it um, reduces uh, manual workload and uh, all of those things. Uh, but what we didn't realize uh, was that uh, due to some limitations from the Google Sheets and Google Drive APIs, the scheduling takes a lot longer than uh, like scheduling Slack message or email. So what happened was like people were like too happy about this uh, and they set up a lot of things. Uh, of course, to the Monday morning, uh, together with all the other reports that are running on Monday morning. So basically what happened was that we had like, uh, I don't know, hundreds of uh, new schedules uh, randomly popping up. Uh, on Monday morning, all of a sudden, none of our overnight schedules or works didn't finish. We didn't know what's going on. Like uh, we saw that there is a load. Uh, it was really hard to estimate. Like what is causing? Is Redshift working slower? Is it? Uh, is it because of Looker doing something wrong? So it was uh, like we couldn't uh, find it out on the first Monday. It took us three Mondays to actually solve it, and it was a combination of many things. As I said, like concurrent uh, scaling uh, from data warehouse side wasn't performing as we expected, and, and uh, Looker wasn't. Ex uh, uh, like working as you expected. So basically for uh, three Mondays in a row, our uh, company uh, users uh, couldn't couldn't query the data. How did that first, affect those uh, weekends? Hours. <laughs> Sorry? How did it affect your weekends? Well, uh, it happened on the Monday. So way. they worked on I, it on the Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday got it right. Had a weekend that was okay. And then one day all over again. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is this is exactly like uh, by the lunch of Monday, we were seeing like, okay, we kill killed the top queries. We did a couple of adjustments. It looks like it's working. Uh, so uh, let's see how it works on next Monday. And uh, yeah, it didn't work uh, then as well, of course. And then it was easy to get uh, priorities uh, from product also to uh, to speed up all the POCs for the next generation data warehouse. So. It goes back to the to the Blitz question. Don't let people serve serve because they will over schedule stuff on their own and ruin your Mondays. <laughs> well, I, I still uh, say self serve. Yes, uh, even yes, but carefully. We yes. care gradually, gradually. Another takeaway: you know, do the crazy stuff on Mondays and not on Fridays. Exactly. Keep Respect your, the weekend. Weekend, say. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but uh, you know. Let's not be so negative. What about um, positive stories? Tell us about a great win. So um, since I've heard a couple of the episodes uh, before, um, then I immediately started to think about it. And uh, well, there are a lot of uh, like wins that are like should be mentioned. But uh, one of the things that I, um, I thought about was actually uh, when... When the COVID uh, hit first, uh, then basically we lost 80% of our uh, company's revenue. And uh, Sorry for that. Uh, basically, we, we got a request from uh, uh, top management is like, hey, uh, guys, um, can you scale down a bit, maybe 60% or so with all of your uh, data infrastructure? 
And actually what we did was we managed to reduce the, all of our infra costs more than 50% uh, with, within like a couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, it didn't affect the end users that much. Uh, everything remained uh, to work as is. Uh, so uh, basically it gave, gave us a huge boost uh, moving forward. Uh, we, we, we did quite interesting things there and... Uh, yeah, from that we learned a lot, and uh, thanks to that we're now at way lower uh, like level than we would have been before uh, the COVID hit. Can you share some of the details? How did you go about reducing costs? Uh, so uh, I don't think there is uh, only like one thing to point out. Um, like just on a high level, uh, I think that one of the quick switches was that we moved away uh, much earlier the tables from Redshift to Spectrum that weren't used uh, that heavily. So uh, this gave us, uh, like, we, we could easily have a smaller Redshift cluster, uh, everything that uh, needed to be, uh, like, get out from S3 still could, uh, would be used uh, easily through Spectrum. But there were, like, I think... There were more than 20 items that uh, tried to uh, that helped us uh, to, to get this low. Wow, impressive! Yes. Good, good win, good win. This um, is how you scale. This is so well spent the time. Yeah. Mm, okay, so I think uh, we are reaching the end almost. Um, maybe before we end, we'd love to get a few recommendations from you from maybe recent technologies that you've had a chance to play around with and got you sort of interested or excited, even if you don't have adopted them fully. So any tips or things that you ran into recently that you want to give us advice to our listeners? I don't want to point out any specific technology or tool uh, specifically, but um, during those POCs, what we found um, was that be ready to change your perspective on some of the tools. So uh, maybe maybe you checked out something two years ago. Maybe you checked out something six months ago. Nowadays, everything moves so fast, and uh, it could be that uh, six months makes a huge difference to the product. So uh, what I would highlight is like um, if you uh, rejected something uh, like one or two years ago and you still have this issue in your hand, take a look at those candidates also, which you uh, rejected back then, because uh, so many things are happening uh, in this space and uh, huge, huge improvements all across the board. But uh, yeah, we saw some, like, we needed to change our perspective on some tools. Mm -hmm. I do want to also close the loop on, on the topic we touched on, on prior. Going back to that big redshift, cluster and how ugly it can get when so many people want to get access to the resource. How do you manage that? How are decisions being made in terms of prioritizing who gets what? Um, you mean who gets what? Uh, like like I mean, query prioritization or access to the data? Query, query prioritization. Because yeah, I assume so, there's so many workloads running. So uh, for us, it's uh, since uh, Looker is the main user and uh, like majority of the business users uh, use it. So we have prioritized quite a bit uh, to the business user side. So it's fine that some of your, uh, uh, I don't know, experimentation platform can run 
instead of five minutes, seven minutes, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but for Looker, if it's uh, if it runs like a couple of seconds or two minutes, then it's like huge, huge difference. So uh, we prioritize our business users uh, first, uh, and also like uh, what we've seen is uh, also coming back to the previous point about uh, changing perspective. Then we try to solve like a lot of this prioritization manually for for quite a long time but what we see is that uh, a lot of tools that uh, have like internal auto uh, like auto prioritization auto scaling all of those that are basically built into the product then in the long run i see that uh, all the auto uh, settings uh, might win uh, same goes with I don't know uh, Google or Facebook ads from different industries. It's like you can do fine tune it yourself however you want. In the long run, they w- will have more data uh, to uh, how to optimize all of this. Yeah. So uh, you 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 can trust them in the long run. So uh, what this is also what uh, what helped us. So uh, and also it's like you don't need to mm, have manpower to it. You don't need to. Uh, I don't know, monitor it uh, so actively that if you're screwing up or not. So uh, this also. Nice. Also regarding the Kafka, sorry for suddenly reminding myself so many questions uh, when we were about to close to finish, but Kafka. So are any of the reports actually, you know, closer to real time uh, or is everything more batch oriented? Uh, Since you're using Kafka, what is looked at in a more sort of uh, real time-ish fashion? So uh, together with the next generation data warehouse that we're planning, uh, then actually there are uh, two uh, side projects to it also, uh, is what we call the um, um, uh, like next generation reporting system uh, for batch and live. So uh, in here, we are building out uh, infra to serve not only internal use cases, but also external use cases. Uh, So uh, all the engineers could, uh, I don't know, show some numbers in the client apps or restaurant apps or uh, courier apps, uh, and also uh, batch reporting. If you're a restaurant and you want to get your weekly results, so we're also working uh, working on uh, it uh, to get it live uh, already uh, first off next year. So... uh, we're not doing that much uh, live live uh, mm-hmm. reporting at the moment, but uh, we have a dedicated team working on it, uh, so we could have it. Uh, and also, uh, like maybe not uh, necessarily uh, Kafka live, but uh, still like one of the next generation data warehouse um, uh, like goals was to reduce the ingestion lag also. So. To, to get it uh, more closer to the real time. Got it. Awesome. Nice. Thank you. Eric, this has been super, super interesting. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's been great having you. Yes, it is. Thank so you. Yeah, I enjoyed the, the time. It was, yeah, it was great. So see you around the data world. And when we visit Estonia, we'll make sure to stop by for coffee. Sure. You're welcome. <laughs> Take, Take care. care. So... We've launched just a few months ago. Uh, we're growing quite nicely, right? Yes. How many views do we have? Very happy. I think we've got like we're in the thousands, right? Happy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not bad. But we want more. We want if more. you like this, 
Help us spread the love. If you don't like that, spread, you know, vote for replacing for me. me for someone else. Uh, That's fine. And, you know, we promise to try our best to keep paying You're you. You're amazing, boss. The data people from the most interesting data companies. So subscribe, make our mama proud, yes. help us out. Love you, mom. 